0: Cool. So guys, welcome back to the podcast, Jeff, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. <laughs> Vex.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me on, boys. I'm excited to be here.
0: Appreciate you coming on, dude. No, today's going to be a good one. For anybody tuning in, we've been on Jeff's podcast before, which is awesome, the Hockey Think Tank, Plug Away. Um, we'll check it out. We'll link it down below, too, in this episode. That way you guys can check it out. But it's it's cool stuff, man. Like Jeff's got a lot of different things that he does, we'll say, in regards to like how he approaches training, how he does what he does, his mindset behind things, which we personally like, which is why we wanted to bring him on the show. Um, but it's some pretty cool stuff. Like I'm, I'm interested to dive into a couple of different things. I want to share the GMBM story too, that you kind of like we talked about before on a previous episode because we had we've had Jeff on before. But man, for anybody new, kind of coming in and tuning into this episode teach us about this, give more, be more mindset. And then I also want to talk about a post that we saw you kind of put up the other day with your mini meet there that graduated into a full meet. Um, Cause there's, there's just some cool, there's some cool stuff, man, but teach us go ahead.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I lived my life in a way where like I was never the best player um, naturally. Like I had to work hard for, to make teams. I had to work hard to make it to triple to a, I had to m- work hard to make it to junior a, I had to work hard to get into the lineup in junior a hockey, uh, had to work all the way through my third year of juniors to get my scholarship after Christmas, um, which is super late into your third year. You know, most of my teammates Mm -hmm. had committed, um, had to work my ass off at school to, uh, to, to put up points and, you know, be a leader and sign NHL contracts and to stay relevant in pro hockey, especially after having as many concussions as I did in my career and to keep playing and keep getting contracts every year and stuff like that. And, um, without me even knowing it, you know, like I lived the GMBM life, give more, be more. If you want to be more in yeah. anything, if you give more to it, you know, you're, you're going to be more. Um, and so I remember I went to like this uh, supplement conference out in Arizona, my first year after retirement. And, you know, I thought going out there was going to be like one of those things from the movies where everybody's like standing up in the crowd, like, hallelujah,
0: <laughs> praise. And you know what? It, yeah, it man, kinda, the big churches, right?
1: Right, right. Kind of like that, but within a supplement company, And I thought it was gonna be cheesy. And I'm not gonna lie, there was a little bit of that with this company but all of the people I met over the week that I was out in Arizona, they all truly wanted to help people be healthier. And it was such a positive environment. And I was like, man, like, I just want to keep living in this way. And I want to affect positive change and as many people as I can. And I remember my flight got canceled. And so I was like the last person in town walking around downtown. I don't even know where it was Scottsdale or Phoenix or somewhere. And out of nowhere i find this like little oasis of a business park amidst the downtown and i just sat there for like two hours um, on this park bench because it was cold in St. Louis. It was warm in Arizona. So I was enjoying the sun and just listening to the water. And I know this sounds like hippie stuff and just thinking about my life and the direction I wanted it to go. And I was just like, I want to, I want to be more for my parents. I want to help them get healthy. And just somehow in my head, I thought of like GMBM, give more, be more. And I called a tattoo shop that I found on Google that was like a mile away. I walked there, I got give more, be more tattooed on me. Um, and then I started a clothing company. Right when I got back for it. And when I got my gym, I, I, you know, had it hand painted in my gym. Um, You know, like, I have hats, all this stuff. And now I just try and tell my guys, like, whatever you want to be, like, you have to constantly be giving to that um, obsession to that goal. Like, and if you're not, there's somebody out there who will, and they're going to do better than you at it. So like, if you want to be more, you've got to give more
0: and man not just that like that first off that's bang on um because even when what chris and i were talking about too like and we've had this this discussion before about it but like the selfish to be selfless kind of debate right and it's it's so misunderstood because i feel like a lot of the times that people don't really understand like what that means like it's not being a negative you know asshole and saying like don't worry about anybody else but it's like you really have to put so much more into yourself in order to, to actually be like something and give something like it's funny. The other night I was at, I was lucky enough to go to an event where I, we were meeting with a bunch of different like just CEOs and masterminds at what they do, experts, like people who have built, man, billions of dollars of wealth in their life. And it was interesting to hear them and like kind of because it was a big room powwow thing and like all of them were talking about it, but they're like, my morning starts with me like everything I do in the morning starts with me, like I might have four companies on the go at a time, I might have this marketing project might be doing whatever, like some of them were talking about lawsuits. But like the most important thing that we do in the morning is focus on ourselves, because it's like, then I can work on myself, then I can get better for myself and be better for others and so on and give and it's like, I don't think people realize the whole working on yourself thing. It is good to be selfish, right? Like, I'm not saying to be selfish in a way that you can't help other people but i'm saying be so hard at working on yourself that the rest kind of takes care of itself and that's i'm that's what resonated with me man in regards to your message because it's like it's exactly what we're talking about right it's like if you give more to anything including yourself you're going to have so much more to be for other people right and it's like i, I t- think we I get t- caught up in the trap of that you know
1: You're right. And I, I am a huge proponent of that kind of mindset of, you know, sometimes you have to be selfish to then be selfless. I mean, think about like, uh, you you know, anything like I I look back on my pro career and like I said, like I had to work really hard. I wasn't one of those like supernaturally talented guys to get to the highest levels. So like there were times where I told my family in the summers, no, I can't go on vacation with you guys. Uh, Every summer, I beg. Like, no, I'm sorry. I have to stay home. I have to do this so that I can be a better teammate and be good for my team. So I had to be selfish so that I could, you know be in good shape and, you know, be ready so that I could be a great team player on whatever team I was playing the next year. So there's like, I had to be selfish at one point to be more selfless as a teammate during the season, be a better teammate, you know, be able to put out a better product on the ice, make the teams I was playing for more money because, you know, you have better, you're doing better in the standings, more fans, all that stuff. That's like a simple, like little, um, you know, uh, uh, example of it. But, you know, if you're a coach, you know, you might have to go out of town to coaching seminar. Webinars, to learn mm-hmm. how to be a coach and miss a weekend with your wife, family, girlfriend, whatever, but you will be a better coach and be way be, be better prepared, better equipped to be a great coach to whoever you're coaching. You know, you just got to find where it makes sense for you. And I love what you said about you know, successful people in the mornings. It's funny, my my girlfriend Uh, we moved in together like I don't know over a year ago or whatever and um, Mm -hmm. she's a big time social media influencer and every morning she wakes up early and she's almost like don't talk to me for the first hour I'm awake like I have to focus on you know getting myself into a good headspace I have to you know check all of my emails from companies I work with and people who are messaging me about my online training like I need that first hour of the day for me and I'm like I totally get it and if that's gonna make you a better you which then means you know you're better to me uh, Mm -hmm. and there for me the rest of the day I'm all for it you know and I I live the same
0: way man and not just that but like it's interesting you say that too because I feel like there's so many different there's so many different like morning routines and systems and setups that people have but one of the things that keep coming back to the most kind of like your girlfriend does and I'm sure all of us you know in this podcast to some degree do but it's like it's truly getting intentional about what you want for the day. Because I feel like so many people think that the universe kind of just like, oh, the universe gives to me. And it's like, okay, that's a great way to think about it. But let's be real for a second. The universe gives back to those who look for something. That's really how it works. Right. And it's like, if you're not looking for something, man, it's never going to give it to you. Like there's never been a point in time where it's just you meet the wall. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you know what, this thing that you didn't even know is there, it's here now for you. And you just take it like you have to there, there is an art behind manifesting this stuff every day. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking like where you sit there and talk yourself off a cliff, but I mean like where you actually sit there and get intentional for what you want. Because even with your athletes, man, like, and just seeing kind of the stuff that you do with them and seeing the way that you are with them, like everything you do, man, is deliberate and intentional, which is great. And you can see that that kind of translates over. So I have two questions for you. First one, see, this is interesting. So do you believe that this whole kind of, skills that you learn in sports transfers to professional life do you believe that's a natural occurrence or do you believe it takes a skilled coach to push that
1: uh I mean well I think that everything you're doing and I love everything you just said I was watching a a Marvel movie last night and it was like uh one of the new ones like the the legend of Shang-Chi I don't know but you know they had this like Chinese prophecy in it and and they said to one of the um characters aim at nothing and you'll miss everything or something like that. Aim at nothing. You'll hit nothing. I think that's what it was. Aim at nothing, hit nothing. And so like, I look at it that like I obviously my goal growing up was to play in the NHL and make millions and millions of dollars and then chill the rest of my life. Obviously, you know, that would be a great life. Uh, I didn't make millions and millions playing, so I have to work when I (laughs) retire. But by me living in a deliberate way, I didn't even know that like all of the intention that I learned to put into making myself the best I could be for my job yes. would set, me self, set myself up for everything in life after hockey. And that's the reason that I am so intentional with my athletes and I make them focus on the smallest details and mm-hmm. learn how important intention is, setting your intentions, thinking about your why, because when you can turn off all that outside noise and really hone in and focus on making yourself the best you can be. And yes. for, for instance, with my athletes, it's making themselves the best hockey players they can be that when hockey's over and they have to go do a different job, no matter if they end at midgets, juniors, college, have mm-hmm. a great pro career. All of those skills that you learned of basically just harnessing and honing and intention and details that will 100% mm-hmm. translate to life outside of the game, whether any sport, doesn't matter what sport you're playing.
0: Yeah. And man, that's a big thing too, right? Like it's all, it's all about identity at the end of the day and who you choose to be. You know, it's, it's interesting, man, because if you truly look at a person, like, let's say you have a, an idol in sport and hockey, basketball, football, whatever. And like, you look at them over the course of five to 10 years at a time, you will notice that every single like chunk of years, like those five to 10 years, they're constantly just reinventing who they are right and it's not like this intentional practice but it's like well i'm sure in some degree but it's like they do it through the output of skills and sports right like somebody who used to be a fast you know player up and down the court in basketball for example might have to adapt to more of a range shooter if that's the case right and it's like this constant adaptation of who you are might be different in in regards to the output but like who you are on the inside and those details and the habits and the little things is like it's everything man and it's it's so simple because people don't realize you've got to condition this shit just like you do in the gym, but for your mind, right? It's like you've got to read the GMBM every morning. You've got to, like, read the incantations every morning. Like, it's conditioning yourself, and it works. You know what I mean? Dude,
1: like, I am so – living proof of this which is why i'm so passionate about it like my grandma used to um, leave me notes on sticky notes whenever she would leave you should come and visit our house and then she'd leave and she'd leave me sticky notes she would write me letters and send them to me and i would leave them up on my mirror and i would read them every morning and then that turned into me writing them myself constantly writing my goals i mean if you guys look i'm sitting in my girlfriend's office but i have this board (laughs) here you know it says i will and it's all these things that i'm trying to accomplish these are all people i work with and things i want to do and like I read this stuff every single day. I think about it every single day. I used to, even when I wasn't like on an NHL contract, I'm playing in Europe, making good money, but not millions Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And I would constantly tell myself like, I'm a Ferrari. I have to treat my mind and my body like a Ferrari means, you know, you put the Ferrari in the garage, you put the good gas in the Ferrari, you take care of it, all those things. And that's just a metaphor for get good sleep, you know, like. Take care of it. Grease the wheels, stretch, do mobility, strength training, make sure you're putting in the good gas, food. Like you've got to treat yourself like you're somebody where you want to get to and then it's just constantly reading you know your incantations reading your goals telling yourself like i i will do blank i will do this and then it gets back to you know there's people who be like well by just saying that stuff every day doesn't mean you get it but what they're missing is what you're what you're doing is Uh, i mean it goes back to that aim at aim at nothing you know mm -hmm. miss everything or whatever like just by you doing that i believe that saying these things and you're constantly ingraining those into your subconscious. So then when you get, you know, you're out in the world and you you come across a situation where you could go left or right, you know, left would be getting you towards your goals and right would be, you know, taking the easy path. Since you've subconsciously constantly been saying your goals over and over, your mm-hmm. conscious actions will reflect your subconscious mind Every and you'll day. take that route that's going to make, it's going to make you better, you know? So yes, that's man. why you do it. And even if you don't become that, you know, 10 million, dollars a season player you're making yourself a better you which like mm-hmm. you said will set you up for life after sports
0: everything man and it's and it's bang on too because like i feel like so many people don't understand this idea behind like we always say run to the identity and it's like okay why why do you run to an identity because it's like when you're truly when you're truly trying to reinvent or like make a decision it's not a question anymore of like, okay, should I eat a chicken or should I eat like the pizza? It's like, well, hold on. Who do I want to be? I want to be an NHLer. Okay. Boom. Chicken. It's no, like, it's not even a, it's not even a question anymore to yourself. You know what I mean? And it's like, I feel like so many people do and make this mistake where they don't play at that level of identity and they only play at the level of results sometimes. And it's such a detriment, man, because it's like, like, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't make it like, just like yourself as the top pro soccer goalie. But I'll tell you something, the habits I built way outweighed my talent in a sense where now I 1 million percent guarantee I know where I'm going on the trajectory of our careers here. right? And it's like those habits just might not have been fully there in one aspect of your life, but in every other aspect, it can be there in every other shifting point, trajectory, all that. It's just... It's interesting, man, because I feel like so many people don't realize that, yes, you got to train your subconscious and the subconscious is way more powerful than your conscious, right? Like it's a thing that's responsible for all of us sitting here right now and your body's digesting things and your blood's flowing and you're breathing and you don't even need to think about it, right? So it's like when you can train that, it becomes an absolute game changer. But the only way you can do it is at the level of identity, right? And that's something I wanted to kind of get into with you because I've noticed even when you train guys in the gym, you're very, very good at giving them that identity. And it's funny because I know you call them like meats or whatever and like meatheads and all that stuff. But honestly, dude, like it's funny. But dude, think about this for a second. The moment that you call somebody that there's an automatic label and standard put to these people, right? In a good way. Absolutely. And it's like, yep. boom, it's like, okay, damn, that's the standard now, right? And I think people miss that part because whether or not you knew you were doing it, you're, like you're, con- you're subconsciously training that identity. Right. And it's something that people walk away with and it lasts, lasts them days, weeks, months, years on end after the fact. Right. So, I mean, teach us a bit about more like the meat society, if you will.
1: (laughs) I love that. The meat (laughs) society. That's awesome. Well, I, I just have a standard set for anyone that trains with me and, um, I built that in year one. This is year Mm -hmm. 11 of my company. I started my company after my third year pro. I would just do it in the off seasons for like the last six years of my career. It built from two clients my first year to 300 in the summer going into my 10th year pro. And then I retired and I'm doing it full time now for the last going on four years. And I had a, a standard set. And at a certain point, probably like five years into my company, I was lucky, I guess, in a sense, but not lucky because I built it. But it was like, okay, I will cut you guys if you come and you're not 100% Mm -hmm. every day, because I know that you're hurting yourself. Like, I don't need to waste my time. I was making Mm -hmm. good money playing pro hockey. I didn't need to do that at that time. So it was like, if you're going to train with me, we Mm -hmm. are going to train four days a week. When you come in, you have responsibilities to me, but To me is actually to themselves. I was making them learn how to have responsibility in their own preparation. Mindset, yeah. work ethic, cool down, taking care of everybody, all of those things. So, like, now it's, it's, I have this culture that I've been able to build, and the boys have built with me and the girls mm-hmm. that train with me. And now it's just that standard. So, like, you know, w- when you work hard, you know, you get stronger, you get smarter, we get better, we take care of the body. Uh, you know, everybody called me like a meat stick when I played because I liked working out, um, mm-hmm. which is funny because, like, I don't, I don't work out the way that like meat heads in the real yeah, world do. of like a (laughs) bodybuilder yeah Yeah, like we don't we don't train like we don't train like that we get super strong but we like we we focus on athleticism in my gym and stuff like that but like now that standard set that like if you train with me like you're one of the meets and you're dialed in so like if you're with Mm -hmm. me you better be dialed or else you're cut because i got a line of a hundred people who are looking to train with me so like all the guys know like you, you don't miss days, you know, you don't show up hungover, you don't do this, because this mm-hmm. is, I'm helping you prepare to be your best you, and like you just said, run towards your identity, whatever mm-hmm. that is, so if you want to be in my gym, I will turn you into a, a meat, you'll be part of the meat <laughs> society, as you said, and it's See? just, it's a culture, it's a mindset shift, it's a way of life, I, yes. I, you know, anybody who comes to me, like, they, my biggest thing is, like, I think I'm a good strength coach, but I think I'm better, even more important to these guys at the mindset that like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to work out with me, like we're going to change your life.
0: And Jeff, when you, when you see that, like with the standards in your gym, does it spread to the other like athletes in there? Like, I know you have that standard, but then when you see that with the other guys, like they just hold it to themselves. Right.
1: Well, yeah. So like I'm holding them accountable they're holding themselves accountable and then they also hold each other accountable. And that's like yes. something in the beginning of the, the off season every year we talk about, like, I don't, there's a million ways to skin a cat. And like, I, I look at psychology a lot in training. I look back at my career. I don't really know too many people that respond as well to, um, negative reinforcement and like mm-hmm. crazy, crazy negative criticism. That doesn't mean there's not a time and place for those. Cause sure. there is, um, but you know, if I see a guy, you know, if, I usually train groups between 10 to 20 and, uh, you know, if I see somebody slack and I'll go to the guy right next to him, who's working his bag off and I'll stop the gym and I'll say, everybody, look at him. Like, this is how it needs to be. This is why he is where he is. And then I'll look at the guy who's not giving that effort and they know, they know right away. Oh shit. Like. Sure. This is, this is at me, but I'm not saying sure. it at them, you know, and they'll immediately bring, immediately bring it up or I'll get in the guy's ear next to that guy who's slacking and I'll say, Hey, pick him up. Let's go get him going, get him going. He's having a tough day. And then they'll hold each other accountable, you know? And like, that's the standard sure. that, and the culture that, that we've set at my gym.
0: Well, man, and not just that, but you're doing a great job at facilitating like a positive peer pressure. Right. And it's that. Yeah. Ooh, it's I like, like, like man, positive there's something well, Dude, and it's true, right? Like they do this a lot in in society studies and like they did it in um, habit studies of like cultures and societies and they found that societies, man, that have the highest level of like abiding standards of like high standards, they literally just create such a positive peer pressure to do it at that level that the rest of the people are kind of just like, well, shit, if I'm going to be in this culture, if I'm going to be in this society, I've got to find a way to basically stay there because I'm going to get either singled out for it. I'm going to fall behind, right? Like it all goes back to the whole traveling wolf pack and all that stuff. But it's true, right? Like you see a lot of this stuff in nature, and we do it as human beings. It's like, okay, well, if someone's up here and I'm right here, I've got to get to that level. So it's it's a whole thing, man. And it's funny too. There's a really good book. It's way back from the '80s. It's I think it's called Red Gold or Gold Red. Red Gold or Gold Red. But anyways. It talked about Russia when they used to be like they were dominating in the Olympics in a certain like span of of time for like eight years, I think it was. And they looked at the psychological tactics that these guys used. And it was like, man, it was everything to do with this like positive peer pressure, like this identity shift and focus, this motivate. Like, man, it was it's very, very interesting. But it's it's all about the stuff like that we talk about here. I mean, mind you, I have a feeling that some of it was used in a little bit of a negative fashion if you will but at the end of the day man like we're talking behavior change in a moment and talking about raising things up to a level that so many people hit it's it's insane right like you even look at successful cultures and work i mean the ones that don't really have that positive peer pressure not where it's like you got to call somebody out but i mean to to a point essentially where you're looking at other people to say hey you know what like if you're not at that level you're kind of going to fall behind like this is the standard it's a great thing You know, even in, even in psychology with some kind of principles that are out there using a third party in your head to say like, Hmm, like what would so-and-so do? Like, I remember in school being a religious, like Catholic, it was always like, what would Jesus do? You know what I mean? And it's like, if you can flip that, but it's like, what would the NHL or do? What would like the footballer do? Like all that stuff, man, I'm telling you, there's so much power in that, that people kind of neglect, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's interesting. But coming into I another topic that. I um, wanted to get into you with, man, um, the mindset of coaches. Where are you noticing that, like, that's kind of going in regards to coaches themselves, how they're feeling? Like, I know that we just kind of looked at a big study on coaches burnout. And that's something that's really high right now. Like, teach us a little bit about what you're seeing.
1: Well, I've, I, I mean, I've seen the, a pretty big shift from when I was playing, you know, I'm recently retired relatively, you know, this is my fourth year not playing. And even, even the the beginning of my career, for sure, especially like juniors college, it was more that negative feedback loop that that coaches were in more that militaristic. And if you were more of this positive peer pressure type of idea, you were looked at as a player's coach and a new school Mm -hmm. coach and, Oh, he's easy to play for and kind of things like that. But As time went on these last, like, 10 years, we've seen, like, uh, in the NHL, you know, John Cooper with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, you've heard tons of stories about him and how the players, like, would, like, die for him because of the type Mm -hmm. of guy he is and how he talks. He talks with them, not to them you know, and yeah. that's, that's a, a consciousness shift. That's a mindset shift from the coach where it's less of like, I'm above you and you're my servant to more like, we're all in this together. Like, let's figure mm-hmm. it out and be the best we can be together. because what is that saying? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go yep. far, go together. And so mm-hmm. like, that's, that's where it's kind of shifting. And, um, you know, you just, you just gotta find that find that balance of like when to be tough on players and or you know if you're a manager of at work like your your workers and like when to be and it's not like buddy buddy but it's just like yeah. I look at it as I look at it as I see a room of twenty guys that I'm coaching and I don't throw a blanket over the entire room and say well this is going to be my coaching tactic for everyone. Yeah. I personally think that if I get hundred percent out of each player whatever their role is whatever their skill is then collectively the team is going to be way better yes man right so like i mean yeah i need to know what buttons to push for the first player the second player the third player and they're all going to be different buttons and they're all going to have different things going on in their life because sports don't happen in a in a silo these kids nope. or play nhl players who are nba players they have lives they have Wives, girlfriends, husbands, you know, they Mm -hmm. have family stress, they have monetary stress, financial stress, they got life stress, if they're watching the news right now, especially in Canada, they're definitely stressed. So, (laughs) you know, like, you got to take all these (laughs) things, you got to take all these things into account when you're coaching an individual and a Mm -hmm. group. And then think about how you can push the right buttons to get the most out of each player. And then that will help the gl- the group collectively rise up. You glue the group together and then you push forward with whatever the team agenda is.
0: Yes, man. And dude, so many people miss that Mark where it's like, we we've been saying this for four years now that we've been doing this with the teams that we work with. It's like, okay, how do you build a resilient culture? It's like, you don't, you really don't you build a resilient individual who abides by Mm -hmm. a team culture but there's no such thing like resilient culture man it's like okay you can have a figure it out culture adaptable whatever you want to call it but at the end of the day it's resilient individuals you know what i mean it's like it's having to go at after each person one by one by one by one and making sure that you literally get each of them to be at their absolute best you know and it's interesting because it's kind of like you're saying it's all
1: linked. Like, you know, you think it's all linked. You think about the weakest link in the chain and, you know, we all played sports, we all played on teams and we all know how quickly, um, negative attitudes and energy. One guy can turn into two can turn into four in that locker room very quickly. So I think you're totally right. You know, if you, if you try to create a resilient group, one bad, one bad apple, Yep. That sucks into the black hole of negative energy pretty quickly. For but sure. if you focus on resilient individuals, then collectively that becomes a resilient group within the team structure and things like totally. that. So a hundred percent. That makes that and, makes a and, lot of sense.
0: And it's funny because I'm not I don't mean to knock, but like the the common practice is like, especially we see in our our realm, it's like, let's go talk to the group as as psychologists and we're gonna get them on the same page. It's like, listen, hate to say it. I know that maybe about 3% of the room is going to be bought into what's being said, number one. Number two, if you're talking to athletes or high performers in general, like we see it in the corporate world as well, it's in one ear out the other. The only way to get this stuff down is to have an individualized approach for everybody. And it's like, I, I know it's daunting and it sounds like a lot, but man, look what you do with your stuff in the gym. You know what I mean? It's like, I have a feeling, Jeff, you don't give every single player the exact same program every single day. Every, like, everyone has their own numbers. Every, sure, the, the modalities might be similar or the same, but the prescription and the technique and the, like, all that stuff, it's individualized. Right. And it's like, that's where we're kind of losing it. I think sometimes too, even with the coaching aspect, it's like, you can't just hit everybody, like you said, with a blanket approach because there's probably gonna be about 80% of the people looking at you saying, like, A, this guy's an idiot. B, I don't care what he says anymore. You know, and it's funny because we see it when coaches lose the room all the time, man. It's like we get called in for those. And it's like, well, what do you, what do we do now? It's like, honestly, you're gonna go up to every single player, you're gonna apologize to them individually and ask them, what can I do for you now? How can I be here for you and help you get to where you want? That's the quickest way to shift a room, right? And it's like, You don't gotta do anything crazy. You just gotta be genuine in that aspect. And it's something that we even see with your videos and stuff that you post. It's like you can tell man you're genuinely there for the person and that you're genuinely there for each athlete. And I think that's super important. So, like, does that feed into the whole give more, be more mentality with you? Like, teach us about that.
1: Absolutely. And and one thing that I've started coaching other coaches um both like Mm -hmm. sport hockey coaches and you know um strength coaches personal trainers um, so I started a business where now I kind of like mentor and educate and teach people how to grow their business and stuff like that on a smaller scale. And, you know, the number one thing, like, the, you know, people are like, what, what style of training should I do? Should I do unilateral? Should I do bilateral? Should I do powerlifting? Should I do triphasic? Should I do Mike Boyle, whatever? And I'm like, the first thing you need to learn is, is how to build trust in your athletes and how to build buy-in because like I've, I've done all different types of training and if i do a give a hundred percent buy-in to that system i'm going to get better out of it like i am now obviously there's going to be ones where you get better results um Mm -hmm. for whatever your goals are but like if you create the buy-in and you create the trust and that person athlete worker client whatever you know player knows that you care and you are there for them and your goal is to help them get better in every way you can they're going to do whatever you say at hundred percent and they will sure. get better. So like, that is so, so, so important. You know, like I, I tell all my guys all season long, you can call me, you can text me. I don't mm-hmm. care what time it is, if you need anything. And obviously that's a little bit intense like that is. And you know, my phone's always ringing, but that's how I live. And that's how I built my business. And it's the only way I know how to help all of the people that i work with and you know i think that's why i get such great results is because they believe in me a hundred percent so they're gonna do whatever i'm asking of them at 100 percent. and so for like sure. that's give more be more from me to them and from them to me
0: so what's the initial kind of action that you take for that buy-in then like teach us a bit about that like is there uh, an initial convo like what do you do
1: um, I always start with, uh, yeah, I always start with, with new clients. I always start with, uh, meeting them at a local coffee shop here in St. Louis. Um, nice. when I used to do younger players, I'd make them bring their parents cause I wanted Good. their parents to hear what I was saying, not so that their parents would hover over them at home and be like, do what Jeff said, but more. And then I would also talk to the parents when I was working with younger players to just be kind of like ask questions not make statements Mm -hmm. at them and i think of this of like this is what we talk about on our hockey think tank podcast plug um for uh (laughs) you know parents in the car ride after a hockey game instead of being like why didn't you do this or like you know why didn't you score there why did you know i can't believe you did this and if you want to talk to your kids about it ask them questions and then let them just take over the conversation Well, how do you think you played? You know, did you Mm -hmm. have fun today? Like open-ended questions that aren't loaded. And then if they want to talk to you, they will and stuff like that. And I, I, tell the parents, that's how I want you to approach them with what I'm telling them I want them to do because they don't need somebody hovering over them, you know, nonstop. Um, but yeah, so like we talk about like, well, what are your goals and this kind of thing? And you know, where do you want to be? And I just be like, well, you know, think about this. Like you live in St. Louis. How many good hockey players do you know in St. Louis? And they'll be like a lot. And I'll be like, okay, well, if you're trying to make it to junior hockey, you got to beat out everybody in St. Louis, everybody in Chicago, everybody in the Midwest, everybody in the U S everybody in Canada. And now European players are coming over to, to the States to play in the USHL, the NA, the BCHL, all these really good junior leagues. So like you have a lot of people that you've got to outwork. So letting them know and being real with them at like, this isn't easy. And if you want it, it's up to you, whether you put in the work to give yourself the chance or not, and just being honest with them and then going from there. And, and, and also, also like, I did it. Like I had to build myself up to make those things. And I tell them like, it's not braggadocious. Like literally, like I played two shifts a game, two shifts a period. My first year, triple a, I signed two NHL deals, you know, 10 years later, like it is possible,
0: but you got
1: to work hard. You got to live it. You got to sacrifice. You got to care.
0: And man, you know what? It's, you used a word that I really, really like better than the other one, but like you're, you're honest. You know what I mean? And it's not. uh, I hate I hate when people take a realistic approach, because that to me, man, is like, Oh, we're we're gonna look at this realistically right now. And it's like, "Mm, hold on, like, what is realistic to you? Because a lot of the times man, I find realistic people, air quote, are like, ones that really kind of just shut things down before they have to be instead of being brutally honest and saying, Listen, you've got some work to do, here's what it's going to take. Go do it. Right. So it's like, that ability to kind of be honest instead of realistic, like I hate when people slap that on and I'm not saying to ignore the truth by any means. I'm saying like, recognize what you have in front of you and then go build it. You know, it's funny because even seeing people like build a business, it's like, well, only, you know, 10% or however many percent come out of their first five to seven years of business. And it's like, yeah, you're right. That's that's an honest thing, but that doesn't mean it's someone else's reality. Like, you don't know what put anybody, any of those people out of it, you know, number one. Number two, even think about it for athletes. It's like, oh, only one out of 4,000 athletes making. it. It's like, that's a great friggin' stat because then you can be the one that's that one, right? Like, you just have to worry about yourself. So I'm not saying to tell everybody they can be a pro athlete. I get it. There's genetics and all that stuff involved. But at the same time, I'm trying to say, too, look at your story, right? You, over, you, you always... You, we never look at what we can do in like 10 years and we always get too caught up in the moment. And I hate that saying like, be present, be present. Like I don't hate it. But the point is, is I get what people mean by that by like being present, but dude, and I'm sure you've seen this too. It's like, you've got to have an understanding of the future first, and then you can be present to act on that. Right. Because so many people that are trying to be present get caught up in the one situation. And it's like 10 years from now, you're not even going to remember this. It's really how it goes, you know? So it's interesting, man. It's just interesting to see. And I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I just, you know, Everybody has a story that played pro got to pro hockey, got to college Mm -hmm. hockey of the teachers. When they asked you, what do you want to be for a living? And you said a pro hockey player. And they're like, you'll never be that. Nobody makes it. You know, like I love proving people wrong. I live to prove people wrong. And I love when someone tells me I can't do something. That's just my personality. But like, also there's, you know, you you talked about like business owners and pro athletes. Mm -hmm. Well, there are people out there who make it. So you do, everyone has a chance and obviously, yes, genetics play a role and can your parents get you to the rink or the gym, but there's all these things, but there's tons of examples of people who made it with no money, no gym pass, you know, whatever businesses made it when they probably shouldn't have. So, so why, you know, I, you know, I love the saying YOLO. I hated it, how people used it to like, (laughs) look at it in reference to like partying I look at it in a different way. I look at YOLO. You only live once in a way that like, well, if this is my only life, right. Mm -hmm. I want to do things that I'm passionate about. I want to go to quote unquote, I don't look, I don't think that I work, you know, but like, I want to go to work every day, loving what I do. Cause I know that if I love what I do, I'm going to give more to what I'm doing and I'll be more successful because of that. So like, if you love something, you have a passion for something, don't let anybody tell you that you can't, do that. You can't make a living at it. There's not some way that you can pivot, even if you're not quote unquote, good enough to make to the pros that you could still make a living in that area or sector, because there's thousands of people all over the world doing what somebody said can't be done. So there's already examples of tons of people doing it. You just have to find a way for you to make it work for you, you know what I mean? And that I go back to, you know, what I said in the beginning, aim at nothing, you know, miss everything or whatever it is, you know, like you're gonna find a way.
0: And man, not just that, but like, I feel like so many people get caught up in the tyranny of the how, right? Where it's like, okay, I really want this. Like, like, okay, let's be real for a second. If you were to look at, for example, Apple, like we all have iPhones, majority of us do, only weird people have Androids, right? (laughs) <laughs> point is though, like <laughs> point is though if you look at something that freaking big that's been created you can't tell me Steve Jobs had every single thing figured out from day 1 like the man got kicked out of his own company for 10 years for Christ's sake you know what i'm saying like it's little things like that and then you look at sports and it's like i want to be a pro i love when kids say that man because it's like i'm not going to sit there and be like you're going to 1 million percent do it it's like great Let's figure out what the next step is. Like if you can just find one step, man, it can kind of go all over the place. But so many people get caught up in this how and it cripples people, right? It's like you don't have to have all the answers right away. You just got to trust that you're going to meet the right people along the way to kind of get there. So, I mean, it's interesting stuff to kind of uh, look at, but also break down. So, Jeff, I got a question for you. You're big on this and I feel like it offers a lot of values to our listeners um, nutrition myths that you got to bust right now. If you had one or two major ones that you've come across, teach us a bit about it. Maybe for people that are trying to put on muscle, people trying to get better in the off season, go for it. Uh,
1: nutrition myths. I mean, f- so I would say like, number one, you've got to eat enough, but mm-hmm. th- what everyone comes to me that especially younger players, their first questions and their parents are what supplement should I take? And the first thing I say to them is tell me about your sleep. Tell me about your sleep first, because the number one thing that's going to make you smarter and a better athlete is literally quality of sleep. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we do that for, depending on who you are, you know, seven to 10 hours every single day. Breathing and sleep are two of the most impactful things you can do if you get better at them. And for quality of sleep. So I always tell the kids, you know, and I was young too, and I'm sleeping was the worst thing. I was my worst part of my professional athlete journey and, and bettering myself has always been trying to sleep, uh, Mm um, be better at it. Uh, but like sleeping from 1am to 10, 10 10am, you know, that's nine hours. That is not the same as sleeping 10pm to 7am. They're both nine hours, but they're Mm -hmm. not the same, you know, one you're going to bed super late. You're probably eating later into the night. Um, you're waking up way past the sun rising, so your circadian rhythm is off. You're gonna miss yeah. at least one meal, possibly two. You know, like I'm somebody who eats every two and a half to three hours ish. So mm-hmm. if you're waking up at ten and you're not eating till at least ten thirty, versus a kid who's waking up at seven and they've already had a meal, they worked out and they've had their 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 second meal, maybe even three, a post workout shake and a meal after, like you're behind the eight ball compared to that person. So Mm -hmm. for multiple reasons, like right there, like, better sleep. Turn your phone off. I literally I made a post on Instagram recently about making a phone bed. Uh we had somebody yep. on our podcast tell tell us about him having his clients do that. He's a resilience resiliency mindset type of coach as well. Mm-hmm. So I did it for my girlfriend and I because I use social media a lot. I have thousands of clients online. I got hundreds who are texting me all the time. And so sometimes I need to put my phone down for a half an hour to be selfish and recharge and focus on my breathing and relax and stop looking at a screen so that I can pick my phone up in 30 minutes or an hour or two hours and be selfless again the rest of the night and it has helped me so much and it also helps me sleep better which immediately your body works better when it sleeps correctly so like I know that that's probably not the answer you're looking for but it's the most impactful and it doesn't it's not sexy but like all the things that make you good are usually boring not, monotonous man. and not sexy <laughs> not
0: know? at all dude it's like well what was it they broke down we were looking at some studies with um some of the best athletes in the world and like, they like broke these individuals down and saw what they really focused on and like what the majority of their work ethic went into and it's funny man because it was something crazy like 70 to 70 to 80 percent of them like around there literally focused on the basics every single day and they just evolved the basics. And it's like, you look at a lot of, I know it's so repeated, but man, like there's science behind it now that shows that if you just manifest, like evolve those basics, you kind of become complex. Like we always say this, we have the saying with our athletes, it's like, you guys are all artists, right? Like you got to think about that for a second. Every day you're creating something magnificent when you're in performance. And if you look at it that way and you stop creating for other people, because no artist does that and you start creating for yourself the rest kind of just comes into play like think about it man there's million dollar paintings out there that are worth like the millions of dollars right tens of millions and it's like it looks like somebody literally took a bunch of paint cans and threw paint on it there's no shape there's no nothing and people are like, oh i see a dolphin i see a fox i see a whale you know what i mean and it's like then you've got this guy who paints the most beautiful looking building and it's like yeah that's 50 dollar artwork for uh, the hotel down the road And it's like what the hell, man? So you know what I'm saying? But athletes are the exact same. It's like, you've got to craft yourself to create something brilliant. And it's like, I think people forget about that, man, all the time, because we're so caught up in this fit a role fit a role, that it just it completely takes the creativity away from people. And creativity comes from basics. It's just kind of doing that really, really well, you know,
1: yeah, you know, I, I look at like the rise of like social media and Instagram, and like just from a training perspective, the things that get the most likes and the most shares, mm-hmm. and the, some of these people on social media that are training people, like they're putting all this stuff where they're like on top of like plates doing push ups on their hands and feet. Crap. And it's like, that is stupid. <laughs> That's stupid. You're getting yeah, a million man. likes and you're making, you know, 500 grand a year being an influencer, you're teaching people to be idiots like super low risk to reward ratios. It's not, that's not what any pro athlete does to train. Like that's why you're not a pro athlete and you never were a pro athlete because you're doing stupid shit like that. You know, it's, basics over and over and over hammering the fundamentals it's the not sexy stuff that the best athletes in the world do over and over and over and over and over and and they just keep getting better at them and like you said they keep evolving those basics to make it another level but they're never jumping ball to ball or you know doing all this stupid shit where standing on top (laughs) of a squat rack doing a friggin you know circus act like that's not real that's what no one does but yeah, Dude, this stuff drives me insane. But unfortunately, like, that's what dumb people think makes you better. And it, it it doesn't. It's a great way to injure yourself and ruin your season.
0: Well, man, and there's no there's no like chop against this by any means. But I forget who it was. There was a couple of years ago talking about an athlete on I think it was on the Leafs, who went and did like CrossFit for his offseason. And like, there was this massive, like there was a bunch of blowed up articles, like so and so does off, like CrossFit in the off season. And they're like, yeah, that's why he's so versatile on the ice. And I remember that, like reading that article. And within weeks of that season starting, fin- like we're talking like catastrophic, right? So it's, it's just interesting, man, because I feel like so many athletes are uneducated on that. And I mean, I want to kind of dive into this for a bit right now, but You talk a lot about training like an athlete and training like a bodybuilder. I feel like athletes understand what you're saying or the words, but don't know how to apply that because a lot of them I watch go do the exact thing you're saying not to do after nodding your head to it. So like teach us, man, like what's the big, I mean, we obviously know here, but break it down extremely, extremely simple for people who have no idea in regards to where to start with that, because I know it's complex in regards to like sets and reps and movement types and isolations, but basic rules for that shit man because i feel like that can help a lot with the mental issues as well to be honest with you and trusting your body
1: yeah well i mean so like to be an athlete you have to be you have to express power speed control over your body that's another one like i'll have a lot of coaches call me and be like well this guy's gotta get faster and i'm like yeah everybody's gotta get faster but like Hockey, all sports, other than maybe like football, if a receiver catches it and he's just running down the sideline straight, Mm -hmm. which happens every once in a while. But he's also got to dodge players. Like You have to be able to control your speed, especially in a sport like soccer, basketball hockey not baseball where you're like go running base to base that's a straight line but like mm-hmm. all these other sports where there's a lot of reactive components to it you have to be able to control your speed you have to be able to control your power it's not just about throwing weights around or getting huge hockey players are getting smaller they're not getting bigger yeah you know they're getting more compact they're getting there there's so much finesse with their movements so you've got to be you know strong like a power lifter but not in a phone booth like they are you have to be Mm -hmm. able to express your power in ranges of motion and all different planes of motion you also have to be able to control that power you also have to be injury resilient right Mm -hmm. and you can train that by focusing on you know controlled articular rotate uh um, controlled articular rotations um Car, hip cars, shoulder cars, things like that, uh, bulletproofing the joints. I look at a lot of like pre uh, rehab exercises, program mm-hmm. them in so that hopefully those help you mitigate. And I've seen them for years and years and years. Um, you know, you want to try to bulletproof your joints as much as you can because those take a lot of stress in sports. It's basically like, you don't want to be able to do all of your exercises in a phone booth if you're an athlete, because if you're playing a sport, it's, unless you're a power lifter, you know, Mm or a, or a bodybuilder, which I'm, we're not even, I'm not even calling those people, athletes. I'm talking about the major sports. If you can do everything in a phone booth, you're not making yourself a better athlete. And I don't mean mm-hmm. like every once in a while you bench press or you squat or you overhead press, but like the majority of your training, you should be moving. You should be flowing. You should yeah. be able to be kind of artistic with your mm-hmm. movement. So it's just something you want to be very conscientious of. You don't want to, own, you don't want to be a one trick pony because that doesn't make you a better athlete. And my main philosophy, if I was going to break it down to one sentence, it would be Better better athlete, better hockey player. Better athlete, better basketball player. Better Mm -hmm. athlete, better baseball player. So you want to work on the whole, not just get stronger or just get faster or just do this or just do that. We want to put it all together because that's how your sport is played.
0: For sure. And, like, even with that, then I was going to ask, last major thing. But so this whole conundrum behind the CrossFit and all that kind of stuff, like – I know a lot of athletes kind of cop out on that. The ones that, you know, don't really put their time in and do their thing. Or a lot of them also cop out, I've noticed, in just kind of training around the major movements, right? Like the bench, the squat, the deads. If you had to talk about how you've seen that negatively associate in regard to sport and in regard to performance and, like, the implications of that, teach us a little bit.
1: Ooh, I have a great story. I tell all my athletes this who come to me. New, like new guys who are a little bit older and have training under their belt and maybe they play at a high level um, and they train with like a more Charles Poliquin old school mindset, which is that bench squat dead type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, after my freshman year of college, the, I was a free agent. The Washington Capitals invited me to their summer development camp where all their draft picks go from the past few years who um, are under their first contract or about to be. And I was a free agent invite, and we did a ton of testing there. And I like was tops in all the testing on ice and off ice. But we did the bench press test, and so you know, I did. I think I did the second best in the in the camp. I was only one ninety at the time, and I think I benched like barbell bench, touch your chest, two hundred seventy five pounds. I think I did like seven times, if I remember correctly. So that's a lot of weight for a guy one ninety that's a hockey player. And Nicholas Backstrom goes two guys after me. He just got drafted fifth overall was about to play his first year in the NHL which I think he won rookie of the year in the NHL that year or he was top 3 in voting and he could not bench press 135 one time. That was my warm up weight that I could rep out a million times if I had to, right? And I remember watching him and yes, of course we are completely different players. However, I remember watching him and go, "Holy shit. This guy's the 5th overall draft pick in the NHL. He's he's 2-3 years younger than me. He can't bench press my warm up weight, I'm training the wrong way. And then mm-hmm. I had a talk with their, their strength coach running it all. His name is Jack Blatherwick. He's a very, very famous strength coach for USA hockey. He's, he was a strength coach for the 1980 Olympic team. And he's the one who told me, if you can do all of your training in a phone booth, you're doing it wrong. And right there, I completely changed the way I was training. I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah!" And immediately, I started, you know, getting outside of quote-unquote the phone booth and doing more movement sure. and things like that. Immediately on the ice, I felt so much better. Before that, yes, I was powerful. I was always one of the fastest guys I, I uh, on the ice wherever I went, but. I felt like I was kind of stuck on train tracks. Yeah, Like if I had to move quickly out of that linear speed, I didn't have control over my body because everything I was doing was like on train tracks. And as soon as I started to get outside the train tracks and get, you know, uncomfortable and stopped using barbells and used more kettlebells, dumbbells, bands, I immediately had more power, more strength, and most importantly, more control over my power and strength and my career just went straight North straight North. And I literally attributed all to that. And Mike Boyle learning about how he trains his athletes um, you know, and you know, like he's the godfather of hockey training. Mm -hmm. I look at uh, the gold star and after reading his book advances in functional strength training completely changed, you know, even more of what I was doing. So I would say any athletes out there for the most part, I would say if I just had to throw a, a number, I would say like 90% of your, your training should be with dumbbells and kettlebells and 10% should be with barbells, maybe even higher, maybe 95, five, like as far as, you know, I wouldn't classify a, using a landmine. As a barbell exercise, I mean like a back squat bilateral, bench press bilateral, deadlift bilateral, overhead press bilateral because you're stuck in fixed planes of motion and you can't rotate at the joints. So like if you look at old bodybuilders, their shoulders all mangled their hips, knees mangled, ankles mangled, like back mangled because there's, they're in these fixed planes of motion from always using barbells and machines. Once you can move and you can move in all directions, your body moves how it was meant to, and you feel better. You perform better. You express the skills necessary.
0: I love that. So man, wrapping it up then, if we had to leave guys with one major thing, guys and gals tuning into this, what are you going to leave them with?
1: I'd say, you know, look at, look at the best players in the world at any sport, or if you're in the working world, look at the people who you, who you look up to and look at what they're doing. Look at who they listen to. Look at who influences the way that they live their life. Um, you know, now in all sports, like gone are the days of, you know, 50% or more of the pro athletes are just Getting by on God given talent or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, their, their innate abilities. Now, you know, I tell all my guys, look up how like Kobe Bryant took care of his body and his sleep. Look at J.J. Watt and his sleep regiment, Michael Phelps, you know, uh, uh, LeBron James, like look at what they do. Like, obviously they have economic means to pay for um, a private chef and sleep coaches Mm -hmm. and mental coaches and stuff. But you can also do that on a smaller scale until you get to that level. You know, you can work with a Matt Calderoni, you can work with, you can look at what what they're eating and learn about that and read books for $10 on nutrition. Basically invest in yourself. If you're going to tell everybody, I want to be a junior player or I want to be a college player, or I want to be a pro. Don't just talk it, actually walk it because you have in this day and age, you have, Instagram, follow me at Jeff Levecchio, free info, (laughs) what's up? You've got, you've got Twitter, you've got YouTube, you've got TikTok, you've got the book apps, you've got all of these things at your fingertips. So like, don't piss down my back and tell me it's rain and you can't figure this out because there's free info everywhere now. And if you want to be your best, you, you've got to invest in yourself with time and energy and it will pay off. 150%
0: man and that's it's a great way to close it because I was gonna say the reason that we push guys to Jeff is because there's a system in place right and it's like to your credit man on that last point there's so much it's like we say about the mental stuff there's so much good stuff out there but giving anybody a tool without teaching them how to use it it could be it could potentially become a weapon to your own destruction right and it's like being able to have that like system and someone who puts it together and does it for you and kind of teaches you the right ways to do things. That's the most important part to this. So that's huge. Jeff, thanks so much for tuning in. So let's quickly plug everything in. Teach us where we can find you.
1: Uh, my Instagram at Jeff Levecchio, my name, I try to put tons of free info on there. Like literally, I just love helping people, especially athletes, especially hockey players. Um, from there, you can go on my link tree. Uh, I started doing like advising calls for players, coaches, parents, helping them kind of get through the process of hockey as well as. Um, You know, performance coaches, personal trainers Mm -hmm. looking to learn more about how to maximize your business online. You can also find my online training in my link tree on my Instagram. Uh, I have programs for people who are ex-athletes who can actually do my workouts every single day with me. um, So you can get in the best shape of your life. I also have online programming for hockey players for the offseason my new 2022 will be out in about a week or two for the whole offseason literally it's hilariously cheap my goal is to help as many people get quality training as they possibly can Um, and then I also train junior teams college teams and stuff all online through train heroic so if anybody wants to talk about me working with their team this last year I had two USHL teams two NAHL teams three EHL teams A couple midget teams, a couple organizations of all women AAA players, girl AAA players, you know, teams from all over the world. So uh, just looking to to help at a very – very cost effective price because I know teams don't have tons of money to spend on trainers and they were going to CrossFit like you talked about earlier which is why I started training teams online (laughs) because I hated hearing that and all the injuries that were occurring so um, you know hit me up with any of that stuff and if you guys have any questions I answer every DM I possibly can and it's it's like a hundred a day so it, it becomes work but you know trying to help the world here